Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 15. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Do you know that Jesus has been the greatest liberator of women and the greatest elevator of all people? Say amen if you knew that. And I'm amazed at how many people, they, you know, well, Jesus is against women. And Paul, that male chauvinist pig. The Bible's against women and the feminists. You know, Jesus is the greatest liberator and the greatest elevator of all people. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. It's on the screen. Read it with me, would you? There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. Man, I love that. Because the Lord lifts up people. The Lord elevates people. The Lord frees people. There's no difference. That's why I love this church. I tell you all the time. Because in this church, I see that there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither male nor female. There's neither black nor white. There's neither barbarian or Scythian. As other scripture says, we are all one in Christ. And that's what I love about Calvary Chapel the most. Is that there's all kinds of folks at this church, black people, white people, Italian people, uh, uh, Hispanic people, Asian people. There are all kinds of people here. And that's what the kingdom of God should look like. Amen, saints. There's no, you know, there's no differences. But in that culture, women were different. Women were considered property. And this woman, she had a reason not to come to Jesus. Secondly, not only was she a woman, but also she was a Gentile. The Jews hated the Gentiles. The Jews considered Gentiles dogs and fodder for the flames of hell. Not only was she a woman and a Gentile, but she was also, did you get that? A Canaanite. She was a Canaanite. Now, you know, the Canaanites were enemies of Israel. God told Joshua, when you go in the land, destroy them all. And they didn't. Apparently, because this woman is right here in Matthew 15. She's a Canaanite. So she had a reason not to come. Matthew, Mark, pardon me, Mark chapter 7 tells us that she was a Syrophoenician woman. What's that? That means she was half and half. She was a half breed. She was half Syrian and half Phoenician. The Canaanites, they were awful people. They worshiped all kinds of idols. They were very evil and practiced very evil practices. And so God told the people to destroy them. So this woman, she's an outcast. She's a pagan living in a pagan place, which then makes her faith even greater. And her desperation causes her to cross the ethnic and gender boundaries that were 
plainly not to be crossed in those days. So this woman being a Canaanite, probably worshiping false gods. Isn't it interesting that she comes to Jesus? Interesting. Well, that tells me what I think, you know, is true. You know, the world knows that their gods can't help them. The world knows when it all comes down to it in the midst of trial and testing and suffering and tribulation and real life problems. Who do they come to? Christians. How many times people, well, I'm not a believer in God, but, uh, you know, if you could like throw up one of those prayers for me, that would be cool. You know, if you could talk to the man upstairs, you know, the big kahuna, you know, for, you know, talk to the kahuna for me, you know, throw up one. You know, Why? Because they know, look, they've been worshiping Muhammad, they've been worshiping Hare Krishna, they've been worshiping Buddha and whoever else they've been worshiping. But when it all comes down to it, Jesus is the only hope for mankind. And deep, 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 deep down inside, everybody knows it. Isn't that interesting? This Canaanite pagan worshiping woman, she comes to Jesus. He's her last hope. In desperation, she came to him. And so this woman, she's crying to Jesus. The disciples say, did you get that in the text? Look at it again. The disciples say, get rid of her. Now, what is wrong with them? I I am amazed the disciples. See, people look at the disciples. As I study the Gospels, I am convinced the disciples, they were like average Joes. And matter of fact, they were were kind of sick. They, They had problems. They needed something medication or something, something is wrong. I mean, this woman, I mean, she's crying to Jesus. Jesus, help me. You're my only hope. Oh, Jesus. And the disciples, disciples say to him, Jesus, get rid of her. They're always sending people away. Remember in chapter 14, they came, the people were hungry, and the, and the disciples said, Jesus, send them home for their lunch. And here we are in chapter 15, and they say, Jesus, send her away. She's bugging us. She's getting on our, on our nerves. She is a pain to us. And Jesus turned notice to them and said, I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And, and notice, I believe this woman probably standing there, she probably heard what Jesus said to his disciples. She probably heard that. I've come to, to Israel first. And so she's thinking, man, I'm a woman, I'm a Gentile, I'm a Canaanite, I'm living in a pagan territory, I've asked for help, he doesn't answer, and now the disciples, they say, get rid of me. And now he says he's only come for the lost people of the house of Israel. So she's probably feeling a bit discouraged right now, but notice her persistence. Point number two, she came to him in adoration. Look at verse 25 again. She came and worshipped him and said, Lord, Help me. Did you notice at first she appeals to Jesus as the son of David, which is a messianic title used by the Jews. But now she says, Lord, master. Notice she's not saying Messiah. She's saying master. In other words, she's saying, Lord, listen, I don't need to be blessed like the Jews. I just need a touch from your hand on my life. And with tears streaming down her face, she said, Lord, help me. This is a beautiful, beautiful prayer. And this is real worship and real adoration. You know, someone once said the demon drove her to Jesus. So she parked at his feet. Don't you love that? The demon drove her to Jesus and she parked at his feet. This is real prayer. 
This is real spiritual, deep theological prayer. Lord, help me. Doesn't that sound like Peter on the water? You remember he said, Lord, save me. You see, prayer does not have to be a a lot of deep spiritual, spiritual theological words. You know, the strength of prayer is not in the length of prayer. The strength of prayer has nothing to do with the words and has nothing to do with the position of your body. I know when we were kids, you're all taught to pray. When you pray, get on your knees, put your hands together like this and talk to Jesus. And we grow up thinking, well, we got to be on our knees with our hands like this and talk to Jesus. That's not what the Bible says. Man, the Bible says, hey, you can pray anytime. You can pray standing, sitting, driving. Just don't close your eyes. You can pray anytime, anywhere, any place. And, and, and God hears you. And notice the simple prayer. Lord, help me. You see, when you need the Lord, don't worry about the proper presentation or the right words. God doesn't speak in the King James English. If you knew that, say amen. You know, people get caught up in, you know, Father, we thankest thee as thou beholdest the cries of all thine creation. And so in your benevolence, magnificent in the splendor of whoest thou art, have mercy upon my situation. Well, no wonder nothing's happening. God's got to move on. I mean, he's in. How about, Lord, help me. How about that? And the Lord will help you. There's no formula. There's no right position. Don't worry about the formulas. Be concerned with worship and adoration because worship works where formulas fail. Amen, saints? Worship works. And Jesus comes, just as this woman, she comes to to Jesus in simplicity, not in rituals and not in religion and not in churchianity. Churchianity. There's a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray. No, she said, Lord, help me. And Jesus said, it's not right to take the children's bread, Israel, and give it to the dogs. Now, is Jesus calling this woman names? Is he calling her names? I don't think so. You know, you know this. As times change, words change. You know, I remember when I was Coming up as a kid, I remember that, um, and, and these were people that, that, that I hung around with. I would never say this, but, but they would look at a girl who was not cute, and they would call her a dog. Now, I would never say that. I have never said that. That was them. You understand, right? <laughs> so they call her a dog. And, and so now times change. Things change. People change. And today, the word dog is a common greeting. I mean, today the word, I mean, people today, I've heard kids say, what's up, dog? <laughs> today now the word dog, I'm just amazed at how the words change over time. I mean, today the word dog means like, you know, you're a very, very intimate close friend or something. I mean, I don't know what, you know, words change, things change, people change. And, and, and so the, the word dog, I mean, it just changes. And so here now Jesus is using this word dog. He says, even, he says, I, he says, I, even, even the, 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 she says, even the, the, the dogs get the crumbs. 
Now, this word dog here in our text doesn't describe like a wild scavenger or a trash dog. This word dog in the Greek language is interesting. It literally means little puppy. It means little puppy, like a sweet little cute little puppy. So what Jesus is actually saying to this woman is is actually pretty endearing and pretty sweet. The Jews call Gentiles dogs like in trash scavenger wild dogs. But Jesus is saying and using the word dog like in little puppy, like in a household pet. That's the word that Jesus uses. So he says it's not good to take the children's bread and give it to others, little puppies. Not like in a derogatory way. Very important to understand that. This woman comes to him in adoration. She comes to him in desperation. And then lastly, notice, she comes to him in humiliation in verse 27. Notice in your Bibles again, when Jesus called this woman a little puppy, she wasn't offended. Did you notice that in verse 27? She said, yes, Lord. See, she wasn't offended. She agreed, as a matter of fact, and she has accepted it. But she said, even the little puppies get the crumbs from off the table. She's saying, Jesus, all I want is the crumbs. And notice her humility. She's willing to accept the place that Jesus assigns her. Did you notice that? Just the humility there. And Jesus, notice she says, Lord, just a small crumb, just a touch from your hand. She says, Lord, I understand I'm a Gentile. I have no claim on you, but there must be some extra grace, grace I don't deserve, and that I'm appealing to you for. All pride in this woman is dismissed. And she acknowledges God, and she says, if you bless me, then it will be by grace. Because even the crumbs fall to like your dogs at home. Uh, We used to have a dog. We don't have time to have a dog now. I'd have to keep them locked up in the house. I want a dog so bad. I love German Shepherds. Best dogs ever. Smart dogs. And and I used to have a dog named Zito. It actually was a German name. Zito von Bierstadterhof was his name. It means Zito from the city of beer. Not that I drank any beer. And Pastor didn't drink, you know. But I remember Zito used to sit at the table just waiting for a crumb. And you know how the dogs are when, when, when they're done? When you're done eating, you get up from the table. What do dogs do? They just go under the table and just start licking anything they can get. And anything they get, they understand it's by grace. Because the way y'all eat at home, it's, it's, you don't let anything slip by. So they get it by grace. And that's what this woman is essentially saying. Lord, whatever I get. I understand that it's your grace. Now, why did Jesus, question, why did Jesus wait so long in helping this woman? I mean, at first it seems, it would seem that Jesus is being unchristlike, rude, harsh. Notice two things are at work here as to why he waited so long to help this woman. Number one, you got to understand that during Jesus' earthly ministry, he was moving in very careful priorities and parameters. That's important. He wasn't just out there doing any ministry that comes by. 
Well, let's do this. Well, let's do that. Well, let's do this. Well, let's do that. No, Jesus was on a calendar, on a divine schedule. So everything was very careful, careful priorities and parameters within ministry. That's why he said in verse 24, I am not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Priority. Not that he wasn't going to reach the Gentiles, but there's a priority here. Also notice in verse 26, he said, it's not reasonable that the children should be starving while the pet dogs are being fed. Again, priority. Jesus was the bread coming for the children of Israel first and then to the Gentiles or to other nations. Secondly, while he waited for so long, Jesus is delaying. Now get this. He is delaying to help this woman because he is testing her. He is refining her. Jesus is creating an opportunity for her faith to come to full demonstration. Jesus is creating an opportunity for her faith to come to complete activity. It was F.B. Myers who said his silence led her to knock on another door. Persistence, full activity. You see, he wasn't trying to destroy her. He was actually trying to develop her. And more often than not, you know, sometimes God will delay answering your prayers, not because he's trying to destroy you, but he's trying to develop you. Are you waiting? Have you been praying? God's trying to develop you. I think God wants to see if we're going to wait on him. See, it's easy when you pray and you just go and God answers your prayer. You go, yeah, great. God answered my prayer. That's awesome. That's great. That's great. And it's done. But how about in those times when you pray and you pray and you pray and maybe it's even been years that you have been praying and you still haven't gotten a word from God? Well, are you going to give up? Are you going to be persistent? Are you going to quit? God wants us to be persistent in our prayers. Remember, prayer isn't getting your will done in heaven. It's getting God's will done on earth. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but it's laying hold of God's willingness. And you must wait. And Jesus is teaching this woman. Now understand, he intends to answer this woman's prayer in the beginning. Remember, he went to Tyre and Sidon. He went there for a reason. Because she was there. But he's leading this woman and giving her an opportunity to come to complete and full fruition in her faith. And then notice in verse 28, notice faith's reward. In closing, faith's reward. Jesus said, O woman, underline that in your Bible, great is thy faith. Let it be whatever you desire. And her daughter was made whole that very hour. You see that? He commended her faith and he cured her daughter. And then in Mark chapter 7, verse 30, it tells us she was found lying on her bed. Wow. Powerfully possessed to perfectly peaceful. That's what I should have named my sermon. Powerfully possessed this girl was. Now in Mark 7 says that she's laying on her bed perfectly peaceful. And Jesus didn't give her the crumbs. He gave her the bread as was planned from the beginning. He says, let it be 
to you as you desire. Now, there's a lot of people who read this verse and they love this verse because they say, see, your faith, let it be as you desire. So this is a blank check to this woman. Well, a couple of things. Number one, obviously, Jesus could trust this woman to give her a blank check. Unlike many today. And you also want to notice she wasn't praying for a brand new four wheel drive chariot. She was praying and asking for the healing of her daughter. You see the difference? Let it be as it is desired for you. Now, here are some things you can learn quickly from the Canaanite woman. And I found this to be pretty interesting. Number one, some things really quickly you can learn from this Canaanite woman. You can have faith in Jesus and still shine for Christ no matter where you are. Here she is in a pagan land. It doesn't matter where you are. You can have faith in Jesus and still shine for Christ. You say to me, Rodney, you don't understand. I'm living in a, among a bunch of pagans. Yeah. Uh, At work, man, there's a bunch of pagans. At school, there's a bunch of pagans. You know, know, there's a bunch of pagans around my life. That's okay. You can live for Christ and shine even among a bunch of pagans. Number two, we can learn. Faith is often found where you least expect it. Isn't that true? This woman is living in Tyre and Sidon. That's a pagan town. You know, it's amazing how God will plant a witness in the most unlikely places. Isn't that true? He'll plant a witness in the most unlikely. You know, it makes me think of Bikers for Jesus. You ever see the Bikers for Jesus, guys? We have actually several in our church, these Bikers for Jesus. And, and I mean, who would think you're at this big Bikers thing they have once a year, I think, somewhere in Florida. And, and you get this big, you know, burly, you know, goatee wearing leather vest, ball head guy comes up to you and says, Jesus loves you. Do you love Jesus? And you look at him and go, I do now. (laughs) I'll do whatever you say. I mean, unexpected. You know, in prisons. You know, I have found men and women who love God and they're in prison. I've been in many continents of the world and many people groups that I've seen in places where you would never think to find faith. God plants witnesses to shine for him in places you wouldn't expect it. And then lastly, we learn it's not the place or the race, but grace. (laughs) Isn't that true? Not the place or race, but grace. You don't have faith in God because of where you live. And you don't have faith in God because of the pigmentation of your skin or lack thereof. You don't have faith in God because of any other reason but the grace of God. You might remember Naaman, the general of the Syrian army. God placed in his house a slave, a servant who had faith in the God of Israel. And Second King tells us, chapter 5, because of the faith of this little slave girl, her influence on Naaman's life, he was cleansed of his leprosy and he experienced the power of God. It's not the place nor the race, but it's God's grace. Someone once said concerning faith, a little faith will get your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. You have faith that'll get you to heaven, but great faith right now will bring heaven to your soul. You just simply need to trust the Lord. And I tell you what, the Bible doesn't say it, but 
I'm confident this woman became a believer. Not only did she become a believer, but her daughter, I'm confident, became a believer. All because of this mother's great faith. Great faith just to come to Jesus in her place of hopelessness and helplessness, understanding that Jesus is the only one that could ever help her. And she says, Lord, help me. Aren't those three beautiful words? Lord, help me. Father, we ask that you would help us. We ask, Father, that you would help us. We know that if we need help, we can call upon you, God. And we thank you for this very sweet and simple story of a woman who had great faith, a woman who had every reason not to come to you, but she came, Father, in spite of the odds. She came, Lord, because she knew you could help her. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.